When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And we welcome you to this edition of Tuesday People, the podcast. I am your host, Mitch Album. I am also the author of the book, Tuesdays with Maury. If you know the podcast, then you know that this podcast was inspired by that book and the many visits I had with my old professor, Maury Schwartz, before he died of Lou Gehrig's disease that turned into the book, Tuesdays with Maury, written to pay his medical bills, but that turned into something far beyond that. And it's a book that's been embraced around the world and has given me an opportunity to learn more about myself and people than I ever could have possibly imagined. And we're sharing some of those discoveries and lessons and hearkening back to the actual tapes of my discussions with Maury, which we'll hear some of today, to realize how those lessons learned at his bedside still resonate so strongly today. And today's a really interesting topic because... uh, World Mental Health Day just took place, and that is a topic that Maury was fascinated with, spent a lot of time in his research and his career looking into and getting involved with, and we'll talk about that in a little bit because he worked at a mental hospital for, uh, for a period of time early in his career. And it's something that people struggle with all the time, and I'm particularly happy to have my friend and producer of this program, Lisa Goich, with us on the show today because, Lisa, we were talking before we started, exchanging some emails about how um, this is something that's, I want to say near to your heart, but I think it's it's, it's nearer to your brain. And, uh, to my brain, yes. yeah, something that maybe you you uh, wish wasn't wasn't the case, but you've been very honest about some of the challenges in this area for you as well, and I want you to share some of that with our with our audience here. Yeah, on World Mental Health Day, you know, lots of people were posting things online because the whole point of it is to destigmatize mental health issues. You know, right. um, we often hide behind things that are not. Uh, on the outside physically involved with our bodies, you know, and what we have to remember is that mental health is health. It's all part of our body that makes us um, who we are, right? And I had posted something and I've I've said before, I have OCD. I've had it since I was a kid. It's not, um, it's not all consuming like some people have it. It's not um, debilitating. It doesn't, in- yeah, it doesn't interfere with my day-to-day uh life at all, but I've had it since I was a kid. It started with, I had what's called trichotillomania. And can I, can I read, can I read this post? Yeah. Do you mind? Yeah, you can read it. Yeah. Okay. Go ahead. So I don't want, I don't want you to have to read it. You wrote it, but this was oh. Lisa's <laughs> post and I think it's, it's very pertinent. I want all of you out there who, who deal with your own anxieties or perhaps deal with others in your family uh, who have anxieties or mental issues uh, and 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 take to heart the spirit here that Lisa, our 
the second half of this podcast uh, <laughs> was brave enough to put on the um, put on the internet. I spent my entire life riddled with anxiety. Before I could walk or talk, I pulled my hair out in my sleep. I was bald when I entered kindergarten. That was the start of my OCD. Trichotillomania. Am I pronouncing that right? Trichotillomania. Trichotillomania. <laughs> they call it. Many people they think you could have a they could have anxiety just trying to get that word out. <laughs> I know, uh, many people who are hair pullers also bite their nails, pick their skin, chew their lips. Check, check, check. Trichotillomania isn't just a bad habit; it's a mental health disorder. It's the C in O C D, as in compulsive. When I was a kid, pediatricians didn't know anything about this stuff. At least my doctor didn't. My mom brought me to the doctor and told him she was concerned that I was bald. His answer. Well, if you find the reason, let me know, because I could use some help, too, as he <laughs> tapped his bald head and laughed. Once I stopped the hair pulling, I continued with the nail biting, which somewhere down the line and led to a new form of OCD, counting. I counted everything. I'd eat in threes, or whatever the number of the week, month, year happened to be. So what, you ate like three, like three bites say, at like a time, or three like, portions yeah, like, at a see, time? See, here I have soup right here yeah. next to me. I would go, yeah. one. One. Two, three. And then you would rest. And then rest. I'd have to put it down. Mm-hmm. Oh, you'd have to put it down. Mm-hmm. Wow. But it would have to be three, three times, times, three times, times, three times. It's very complicated. Hmm. Go ahead. <laughs> I'd have to go back and read pages of books three times or else something bad would befall me. Rituals, 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 so many rituals. Morning, nighttime, getting in my car. Don't pass through the doorway without tapping the light switch three times. Look at the ceiling before turning off the light. Don't sit in bed or wake up if the clock was on 13. Stand next to the bed and wait for it to change. Heaven forbid your alarm clock and phone were slightly off because that minute could turn into two or three, and that's a long time to wait. I swore that one day I'd write a book called The Longest Minute to explain to others just how screwed up living with OCD really is. You didn't say screwed up, but I threw that in. No. (laughs) Uh, On today, World Mental Health Day, I recognize my mental illness that I've lived with my whole life. I've managed to be productive, semi-successful. Don't sell yourself short, Lisa. You're more than semi-successful. Huge. Uh, I'm gonna. I'm gonna edit that. I've managed to be productive, <laughs> successful, and not let it get in the way of my jobs or life or friendships for the most part. In fact, I'd say that my OCD has been an asset to most jobs I've had because I have a fairly airtight attention to detail. I have to. My brain gives me no other choice. I'd be willing to bet that most of my friends never saw a ritual take place or realized I was counting my bites as I sat across from them at lunch eating my sandwich. We're good at hiding these things, but whatever your thing is. Don't be ashamed of it. Mental health is health. Plain and simple. Stop the stigma. Stop the secrets. If more of us bring our stories out in the open, we can help normalize mental health issues so more people will seek the help they need without feeling shame. Now, excuse me while I go brush my teeth three times before bed. (laughs) Really beautifully written. And uh, like I said, it took a lot of courage to post that because people don't want to... um, they don't want to reveal their, you know, it's funny. <laughs> People who are out of shape mm-hmm. don't seem to have a problem sometimes putting on really tight clothes and yeah, going out and, and just say, you know, hey, this is who I am, uh, you know, uh, uh-huh. deal with it. Uh, people who have like yeah. uh, get really weird haircuts or really bad haircut don't have any problem going outside and, and, and you know, people don't mind going on 
uh, Jerry Springer shows and screaming and arguing and 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 and, and going on cable television and 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 taking heavy points of view one direction or the other. Uh, people film themselves doing the jackass types of of stunts yeah. and then willingly put it out there. But when it comes to having a mental anxiety, nobody wants anybody to know. Suddenly, mm-hmm. we're 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 like shy. We're a shy culture. We're reserved. We wrap ourselves in a, in blankets and overcoats. We don't want anybody to to see that we might be struggling with something right. in our mental well, I think health. It's- yeah, I think because people think it's seen as a weakness, right? Right. Um, you could get a job, let's say I were physically disabled. I would probably still be able to get a job, you know, if it was, you know, not something that would, you know. Right, if you're a physical disability. Packages or something, yeah. Right. But um, if I, I wouldn't go to a job interview and say, Oh, I have horrible anxiety. I was bald when I went to kindergarten mm. and, um, you know, I count stuff all day, uh, you know, unless I was going to be an actuary or something. I don't know if right. that would come in handy, Right. but uh, you don't say it out loud, but I tell you, everybody's got something. When I posted this, I can't tell you how many private messages I got more than I've ever had in my life on a post saying, thank you so much for this. I have this, I have that. I've been suffering with this. Like I have depression. I I mean, think about how many people are on antidepressives. That's, that's, it's a huge market. Half the country. Yeah. It's crazy. And they they say that I'm I'm reading a piece here, you know, in preparation for for this from the American Psychiatric Association, that more than half of the people with mental illness in this country don't receive help for their disorders. Mm-hmm. More than half. So you realize how many people have something like that, and more than half of them don't get any help for it at all. If you don't get any help, you don't talk to somebody, you don't you know, try to address it in some way, it's not likely to improve. Uh, yeah. Maury, Maury saw this, I mean, really firsthand, in that in the early part of his career, before he became a, a noted and beloved sociology professor, um, he worked at a mental hospital. And, you know, back in the mm-hmm. 50s, there really were mental hospitals. They don't really yeah. call them as such anymore. You know, there, there are wards or wings of hospitals that, that deal with, you know, mental health or psychiatric or things like that. But back then, they were, they were literally called mental hospitals. They were places where yeah. people who were so debilitated by their anxieties or their issues or their emotions uh, were put away quite frankly, Mm -hmm. were put away uh, uh, for long periods of time, sometimes forever, um, sometimes just until a family member could deal with them again. And Maury worked with these people. And we had a lot of discussions about what he learned from that experience. Here he is talking about that in one of our um, earlier sessions in our conversations. In the hospital, I saw the depths of human suffering, psychic suffering, panic, rage, apathy, dissociation, fear, screaming, fighting, uh, trying to run away, shouting, I hate you, with so much passion in it. Not toward me necessarily, but general shivering, Trembling, 
you name it, dread, terror, you name it, it was there. And what it did for me, it just opened me up to the fact that there were these kinds of horrible emotions that people could experience and could live with for many, many years. I had never experienced it to that depth. I'd experienced tears, which they did too, weeping of an intense sort, but not to the degree that they did. So it gave me a sense of another human dimension that I knew existed theoretically, but not practically. So having to absorb all that really fashioned my role as somebody who could be inside and outside of a situation, mm -hmm. which is a saving grace for me at this time, mm -hmm. that I could be inside my own suffering and outside of it. Now, isn't it something what he said at the end there? Um, mm. I, I learned from watching the suffering of these wow. people and to be sensitive to it, that I can be inside my own suffering because obviously when you're dying from Lou Gehrig's disease, you have lots of anxieties, you know, is it going to be today? What's going to happen next? When am I going to decline? What, what else am I going to lose? You know, you're slowly losing the ability to, to, to use your arms and use your legs and move your torso, then to, you know, move your jaw to, mm -hmm. to, to, you know, wipe your own rear end to do all these things. You could worry about every single stage of it along the way. Maury was able to say, well, I see that anxiety. I've seen that anxiety. I know that anxiety. And, mm -hmm. and yet I want to put myself outside of it because I've also seen what can be done with it. We'll continue our conversation on mental health right after this message. I think that half the problem with mental health in this country is the actual mental health are the anxieties that come strictly by the way, you know, people always think mental health and they think, well, you had a traumatic experience happen to you or you didn't take something the right way or you didn't get enough love or you didn't, and that's why you're mental. And I know we had Dr. Daniel Amen on the program uh, earlier, yeah. you know, mm -hmm. and he'll be like the first that. to I tell like you, mm -hmm. yeah, he'll be the first to tell you that a lot of what we call mental issues or whatever are, are physical. You know, they're they're in your yeah. brain that you you inherit them. Um, they could come from traumas, physical traumas. They could come from yeah. uh, nutritional issues. They could come from chemical issues. Uh, and so, not everybody who's dealing with some kind of mental issue, anxiety, uh, disorder, whatever, somehow deserves it. Somehow, well, you know, somebody just didn't love that kid enough or somebody didn't. You can, you can be loved, you can be raised in the perfect environment, and you can still develop lots of phobias, anxieties, and all the rest of it. One doesn't have necessarily anything to do with the other. It helps, obviously, to yeah. be raised in a warm, loving, caring, nurturing environment. You're going to have less problems than if you're not, but but it doesn't automatically go that someone who does have mental issues somehow got either was personally responsible for it or family members or their upbringing were responsible for it. Right. Well, a lot of it is is 
you know, mechanical, right? It's chemical right. imbalances. Right. It's uh, like you were saying, it's wiring issues in your brain, how right. sometimes one part doesn't talk to the other part. You right. think of schizophrenia and, um, you know, bipolar disorder. And those are all, you know, you're born with that. And right. that's just what you are. I mean, I was doing my stuff since I was a baby. Like my mom used to have to put socks on my hands so that I wouldn't mm. pull my hair out. Mm. Um, but I'm talking baby the minute I had hair, I started pulling it out. I didn't have any tensions. What did I have to worry about? You know, I used mm. to do a thing in my comedy act about that. You know, what the heck? Did I because I talked about the hair pulling. Um, what did I have to have to worry about? Oh my gosh, I got a big game of operation in the morning. And I, <laughs> you know, I yeah. didn't get my nap in today. <laughs> I got <laughs> people coming over for dinner. My Easy Bake Oven's on the fritz. <laughs> you know, <laughs> what do kids have to worry about? Right. And that's one thing too. Let me tell you, comedians and anxiety. Go hand They're all in neurotic. Hand. Yeah. Um, yeah, everybody's neurotic. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> not well, to paint a broad that, brush. That's but... <laughs> a good way of dealing with it, by the way, is humor. And is part yeah. of what we're trying to get across today is that don't allow these these feelings to be to to stigmatize you. They're already doing enough damage. They're already taking a toll on you. Don't be ashamed of them. Don't hide them to the to the degree that hiding them becomes a new anxiety, you know, mm-hmm. and becomes its own burden in and of itself that you just can't admit to people that you have these, what are very human issues, human fallacies, human human weaknesses, but not weakness like weakness is a bad thing. All humans are weak in certain areas. That's That's undeniable. Yeah. Well, and sometimes you don't, let me say, like, you don't even realize that there's something wrong with you. I, I, knew what I did, but I never realized it was a thing, right? That's what I said, you know, find your thing. If you have a thing, don't be ashamed of it. I never knew what it was. And then one day I was at the bookstore back in those days when you would just go wander around the bookstore, not Mm -hmm. not on Amazon. And uh, I uh, found this book called The Boy Who Couldn't Stop Washing. And I literally read two pages and I I said, oh my God, I found my people. Like, This is what's wrong with me. And it wasn't until I read that that I was like, I'm not alone. There's other people that do this. And then, you know, I'm sure people in my family have been like this. We've had, you know, I I, I don't know if it's genetic, but there's stuff, you know, there's just stuff. Yep. It's part of your Um, brain. There there is, listen, uh, I I will, I don't have, uh, knock wood, you know, uh, an OCD disorder uh, to that regard. But I do have a recurrent anxiety that I have sought some help for uh, about health. And mm. it, it came on, you know, later in my life. But I think um, the fact that, that I lost my mother, my father, and Chica, our little girl, all yeah. in about a two-year stretch of time, uh, mm. created this concern in me about my health that became unreasonable i, I would mm-hmm. and it, and it, it continues to this day despite the help that i sought and all that anything you and i have teased about this if i get you know a headache it's a brain tumor mm-hmm. if i yeah. get you know uh, recently i, I yeah. think i did too many push-ups and i start i got a, a chest pain and i said lung cancer Uh-oh. you know right. uh, and and i can't uh-huh. i can't uh dis- Bell it until I go 
to a doctor and they confirm that it's not, you know, and, and I hang on every word that they say, so much so that I I have warned doctors when I go to see them, you know, they might be a new doctor. I said, listen, before you say a word to me about whatever reason is I'm here, mm-hmm. I'm the kind of person who I am going to remember every single thing that you say. And the one yeah. negative thing that you say, like, well, uh, people your age sometimes once in a while get uh, blah, blah, blah. That's what I'm going to remember. I'm going to forget everything else, and I'm going to perseverate on that. So please Mm -hmm. don't say anything to me that I might hang on. Okay, please watch what you say. You know, and uh, I I remember one time I had an issue, uh, and I uh, the endocrinology thing. It had to do with parathyroids and everything. It's all fine. All fine. I don't want anybody worrying or anything like that. You're okay, but, right? Okay, yeah, good. But we this was during COVID and we had this um you had to do it on video. You know, you can't go in. So I got mm-hmm. assigned this this doctor. I'm not gonna say her name or anything like that, but uh she was uh, from a uh, the Nordic countries where I think mm-hmm. the tendency is to be a little bit more blunt about health, you know, if you go study mm-hmm. the health systems there and things like that. And uh she came on, I'd never met her before, and she came on this uh Zoom call to talk about what I thought was, you know, going to be a fairly simple conversation about calcium and stuff like that. And, yeah. uh, you know, next thing she ends up saying, you know, well, I mean, it's this or this, but, you know, or it could be a tumor that could be cancerous. And I oh. I just, I said, why would you say that to me? <laughs> you know, I, 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 I'm i yelling at the screen. I said, why? I'm never going to get this out of my head. Well, it's, right. it's, it's not necessarily uh, that, but, uh, you know. And I said, why are I die? You know, like, and I, I, I realized I didn't give her my warning. I didn't give her my, my big thing at the beginning because yeah, it was video Yeah, you forgot to conference. tell her not to tell you those yeah. things, right? Yeah. So now, you know, I thought about that forever and ever and ever, even though she said, oh, well, it's not, it's, it's a minute chance. It's nothing like that. And I had to go to like five other doctors to have them tell me that she was wrong. You know, it wasn't one wasn't enough because that would be an, that would be a tie. You know, one doctor would say right. bad, one so doctor had to get, the so I had to get two, breaker. and then two's not really enough because you need a backup. So at least three, yeah. and preferably five. <laughs> oh my gosh, <laughs> it's crazy. Okay. And, you know, and and yeah. and I'm you know, but I'm not ashamed to share it with people because I'm sure there are people who have similar anxieties about other things. That just the smallest thing sets them. It sets me back into the terror that I went through with. With Chica, uh, you know, in particular, you know, watching yeah. her die, she was right next to us, you know, and 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 all it was so That's difficult awful. for my wife and me yeah. to just watch the life disappear from her, and 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 Maury, you know, to, I mean, when I really think about it, I'm going every week watching him die, and I think that had yeah. some effects on me, that especially sitting and writing about it, and then I had a doctor say to me, um, you know. Explain your life to me. Tell me what you do. And I had a book out at the time, and I was touring. And I explained to him that on a typical night, if I would do a, a book signing, I might have two to 300 people who would come up and meet me afterwards, of which at least half of them had a death story to share with me. Yeah, uh-huh. Oh, I lost my father to ALS, and here's what happened. He was, Or my, you know... Or they'll be crying and they'll say, you know, my my teenage son died and the last thing we did was read your book together and, and, and they're crying and they show me pictures, whatever. And I'd go through this, you know, a hundred plus times a night, night after night after night. And the doctor would say, 
don't you think that takes a toll? You know, don't you think yeah. that that gets in your head and you start to think about death and, and, and sickness more than you should because you're hearing it all the time? I said, yeah, and now that you mention it, yeah. yeah. But I never thought that uh, of the you toll never put, that it took. Right. Well, and because you write about it too as well. Right. You know what yeah. I mean? And you'd think that, uh, you know, um, people probably think that you've written your way out of this phobia because no, you write about you, it so much. you're kind of writing your way into it. <laughs> you're, you're writing digging, your way into it, right. Digging, you, digging, you, digging even deeper. It makes you makes you think too much about it. That's funny. I just, one quick aside, that's when you say things like about doctors, when what the worst thing for me is when you go to the doctor, like I went for like a colonoscopy, right? And the doctor said, well, you know, it could cause, we could, there could be perforation, there could right. be this. And of course there could be death. Right. <laughs> what? What? Yeah. Yeah. Like, I'm like, I'm going in for like a simple test. Right, right. <laughs> like there could be death. Right. So I glom on that right like right. and then Just before i go in sentence. i'm i'm telling you know my husband where all the paperwork is <laughs> you know i'm going through like right you know if i don't come out of this here's who should take care of the dogs if right. you need help right. um you know so like i'm this i get it i totally yeah. get what you're where you're yeah. coming from and and while this is not you know the same as schizophrenia or bipolar disorder but it's all part of that same thing it's our our brains acting in an irrational way, acting on their own, acting, you know, because of some stimuluses or some loops that we get into and automatic mm -hmm. negative things that we get into that, that always happen. And you should not feel embarrassed by this. Do not feel stigmatized about this. Do not feel mm -hmm. like, oh, I got to be the only one who's this crazy. First of all, you're not crazy. And second of all, you're not the only one. We'll be back with final words of wisdom from Maury as we wrap up today's Tuesday People podcast. And in the smallest ways, people can be insensitive to what people are dealing with. Maury told a story about a woman at the mental hospital, who, to all intents and purposes, uh, didn't do anything all day, except mm -hmm. when people came to tell her she had to come eat. She got very agitated. And mm -hmm. here was his analysis and explanation of that situation. Oh, a staff member would come to the door of the patient's room, They'd look in, they'd be looking for another patient. So they'd look into that room, there'd be a patient sitting there, and they would just ignore her and not say hello or, you know, as if to say, well, you don't exist. There's this patient who is uncommunicative. She'd stand or sit in one place all day, and nobody would come by and say anything to her except at mealtime. And then, if they come at mealtime, she'd push them away. And then they'd try to force her to eat. She'd push them away. They didn't understand what I think. She was saying, you don't come here all day long, but when you want me to do something, that's when you come. 
that was my interpretation. There's a case where people are just sort mm. of doing their job. Mm-hmm. Well, I, 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 I'm looking for somebody else, so I'm not looking for that person. But because they don't acknowledge them, they don't say hello to them, they don't come see them for any other reason other than they have to, can yeah. develop a stigma, a, a, an issue inside the person's brain of saying, uh, uh, you, you want nothing to do with me except when I have to do what you make me do, which is eat. So yeah. I'm, not, I'm going to assert myself and announce that I am here, essentially, I exist by pushing you away. Now, yeah. other people might just look at that and see, oh, this person just doesn't like to eat. But obviously, there's, there's many more layers of that there. And mm-hmm. there's many more layers of mental health for all of us when we meet. I, I always say, you know, when you're talking to like homeless people um, and people who live on the street, there's such a presumption of mental illness. But yeah. that's all the people say is that, well, they're mentally ill. They don't say why. They don't explore mm-hmm. why are they that way, how they get that way, what happened in life that led them to that way. Wouldn't living on the street cause you a great amount of mental issues? Yeah, certainly exacerbate it. That's yeah, for sure. Just, just, just the survival part of it. So, um, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of stigmatizing of homeless people as just mentally ill, but nobody breaks it down beyond that. You know, well, mm-hmm. what what's the most common form of mental illness amongst homeless people? What's the issue that they all face? I know, for example, you know, running an orphanage, that while our kids are fantastic and we love them and they're smiling and from the outside, you know, they just look like normal, healthy kids, but every one of them has been abandoned in some way. Yeah. Everyone has been yeah. abandoned in some way. If the if they had a mother, that mother brought them to the orphanage and abandoned them at the orphanage. If they didn't have a mother, whatever, then they were abandoned before they even got there. But all of them have this abandonment issue. And so I know mm-hmm. in dealing with them that one of the worst things that I can, you know, even raise the specter of is that somehow they might be put out of the orphanage if they did something wrong. Yeah. They are deathly afraid of that because that's that's a, a rejection again. That's an abandonment yeah. again. So, okay, that's not, are they are they mentally psychotic? Are they, of course not. But this is an issue that, that they have that has to be addressed. It, yeah. it finds mm-hmm. its way in, into all of their actions and activities and sentences. And we all have something like that. Yeah, everybody has a something. Right. Everybody's got something. We're all, we're not all mentally ill, so to speak, but we're all somewhat like those who we call the mentally ill and that we have issues that just for whatever reason we've been able to keep under societal control. You know, we have Mm -hmm. our anxieties. My, my thing that I talk to you about, but I don't go blabbing about that every time I walk down the street and that's the only thing I can talk about or whatever. <laughs> so I've got it more socially under control, but I still have it. Your OCD, yeah. as you pointed out, most of your friends probably wouldn't even know that you had it because Mm-mm. you Mm-mm. were able to control the exterior, but you still had it. Yeah. I'm better now, by the way, let me say. I don't know what happened, but as well, I, I don't got know. older- I've been watching you on this. You've been tapping your glasses three times. <laughs> Um, I've been uh, I've been better since I got older, and I don't know if it's just something that happens physically in your body, but I'm not like I was when I was, uh, you know, certainly a teenager, twenties, thirties. Yeah. Was well, my I don't worst. Know, you have a cap on right now? I don't know if there's any hair <laughs> underneath that, that now. 
I do. I have two little braids sticking yeah. out. Well, they could be here, phony. Yeah. <laughs> That's that true. Could have come with the hat. <laughs> so the point is that uh, on, on on World Mental Health Day, you know, that's to try to give recognition of the fact that this is a this is a widespread issue, but it should also should be don't stigmatize yourself and don't let mm-hmm. others stigmatize you either. The brain Definitely. is a complicated, complicated um, organ. Even ALS, you know, is a neurological disease. A yep. neurological disease. It it originates in the brain. Yeah. And and yet it manifests itself totally physically. Mm-hmm. But yet it still comes from the brain. The brain is just beyond our comprehension and great doctors like Dr. Amen and others spend their lives trying to understand it, but they're still constantly learning new Mm. things about it. So there's Mm -hmm. no reason to stigmatize yourself. Don't let anybody else stigmatize you. Seek help, but also don't seek shelter while you're seeking help. Talk about it. Like you did, well, that's brilliant, Lisa, what you did as a comedian, you know, to go Mm -hmm. on stage and talk about it, get it out there. You know, because yeah. you were destigmatizing yourself and you were yeah. finding a way to laugh about it. Yeah. And and it helps other people because if other people are in that same spot, they're like, Oh wait. Oh, okay. I too can find the funny parts. I mean, there's right. been a lot of there's a ton of comedians with O C D. Um, and there's a ton of celebrities, you know, like I think Howie Mandel. Um, there's people who are very open about their their situations. Howard Stern, right? Mm-hmm. Howard Stern. So there's, you know. Yeah. So you're open about it. It helps break down the barrier and helps maybe get the stigma off of you. So try to keep mm-hmm. that in mind um, as we go forward. And Mental Health Day is a good, good kind of uh, stimulus or catalyst to have that attitude. Uh, yeah. In future episodes, we'll explore more about what Maury did at that uh, at that hospital and what he learned there. Uh, for now, that's going to wrap things up for today's program. We are on Stitcher and Apple and Spotify and Pandora and all the places you get popular podcasts. And you can always leave us a message or a rating, comment. Review. We, always appreciate we that. like good review. reviews. Put review. those out there. WeTuesdayPeople.com on the web is where you find not only the information about this program, but past shows as well and discussion groups and all the rest. Lisa, thanks for being so open in this segment. Thanks for that post. Thank you for uh, reading my post. Yeah. uh, I think it helped open some eyes. And until we see you again with Lisa Goitz, I'm Mitch Album saying see you next Tuesday. Thank you for listening to Tuesday People. To be part of our conversation, join the Tuesday People community at wetuesdaypeople.com. Subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss an episode and share it with your friends. We look forward to having you with us every Tuesday because, after all, we're Tuesday People.